What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Amatelica TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields. Got a good show here for you on this uh, weekend of February the 20th, the year 2021. I hope wherever you are and however you may be listening to this podcast that you're staying safe and staying warm for the 75% of you of uh, us US citizens out there that does not include uh, you Mike and EOC but nice to have you with us here on this uh, sports talk program here in the uh, middle of February I uh, got a lot to talk about here this week uh, of course the Carson Wentz trade will get us going here at the top uh take a break and get to some tennis and then we'll close out the show with a little bit of, uh, I got a couple of things to say about the NBA and uh, and uh, them having their all-star game, I believe, uh, March 7th or Mar- March the 8th. And I'll give, you my, I'll give you a couple minutes on that. But first things first, the biggest uh, news in sport, the biggest news in sports, and, and if you... Have and if you didn't hear me break down a Tatis trade that was on that news broke during Wednesday's episode. So go back, pause this, go back and listen to Wednesday's. I gave you plenty of thoughts on the uh, on the Tatis extension. If you haven't uh, if you haven't heard my opinion on the Tatis uh, extension uh, yet, but other than the Tatis extension, the second biggest news in sports that broke this week was the fact that the Philadelphia Eagles uh, traded what was the and what we thought, even with uh, Doug Peterson being fired, what we thought would still be the Eagles franchise quarterback in Carson Wentz. He is now a uh, he is now a thing of the past. The Eagles traded him the other, I believe it was Thursday. It wasn't, it was either, yeah, it was Thursday. Traded him Thursday morning. Um, to, they traded Carson Wentz to the Indianapolis Colts for a 2021 third-round draft pick and a conditional 2022 second round draft pick that could turn into a first round draft pick for um the Philadelphia Eagles um so and just to, and uh and here just to give a couple of incentives here the Eagles will receive the 85th pick in the draft this year and a conditional and the conditional second round pick can become a first round pick based on Wentz based on Wentz's playing time with the Colts so if and Wentz plays seventy five percent of the offensive snaps for the Colts, which should be no reason why he wouldn't. Um, it's not that it's not like that they're going to throw in Jacoby Brissett after they just traded for Wentz. Wentz would have to play seventy five percent of the Colts' offensive snaps for the twenty twenty two conditional pick to be a first round pick for Philadelphia. Um, just to give you my thoughts on the tra- on the trade, um, from an Indianapolis standpoint. From an Indianapolis standpoint, you can't go wrong. Uh, if, you know, it wasn't, you know, Car- you know Deshaun Watson was, it wasn't going to go to Philadelphia. Um, or, excuse me, it wasn't going to go to Indianapolis. They weren't. The Texans don't want to cut ties with Deshaun Watson anyway. You better believe that they do not want to end up trading Deshaun Watson to a division rival. So, and the Colts needed a quarterback with, uh, with, um, Philip Rivers playing the one year in 2020 and then uh, and then retiring, heading out the door. Um, Andrew Luck is not coming through that door again. Uh, Peyton Manning is going into the Hall of Fame, so they need a so they needed a uh, 
They need they need a, a quarterback that's going to fulfill the position for for the next five 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 plus years or so. Um, and you look on a look on the market, you know, there's not that many there's not that many quarterbacks out there to be had. You know, the Colts were a playoff team, so unless somehow Mac Jones or uh, unless Mac Jones or uh, or um, Justin Fields drops all the way down uh, to uh, you know in the late first round, which I don't see. I don't see uh, why they. I don't see why they uh, would. Um, but if they drop all the way down late first round, I don't think that the uh, that Fields and uh, and um, Mac Jones of Alabama will be on the board for uh for the Colts to take in this in this year's upcoming draft. Also, it puts your franchise in a tough position, you know, because they coming off of a season where they made the playoffs and you know they have a pretty decent and will be a very competitive football team in two thousand and twenty one, you know, dealing with a rookie quarterback, you know, and trying to build him and mold him into your offensive system and throughout uh and to get himself used to playing in the NFL it's you know it's a it's a bad it's a bad um it's a bad uh mix to com- to mix with that with a team that made the playoffs last year and are looking to do bigger and better things as far as playing January football is concerned. So and the and the and the only quarterback that you know, that you know tickled the Colts' fancy was Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, of course, he and Frank when Carson Wentz had his better years of his career. Uh, was uh, when Frank Wright was his offensive coordinator at Philadelphia. Just to read you his uh, his numbers before Frank Wright left um, in twenty seventeen. We'll just go with th- go with that because that is his uh, greatest. That's his best season. That's his best season. Uh, that's his best season he's ever had in his career. Was the two was his injury shortened twenty seventeen season. He had a sixty. 60- Percent completion percentage through for three thousand two hundred ninety six yards, thirty three touchdown passes and set and seven interceptions with a QBR. If you're into that, Skip Bayless, uh, seventy eight point five is his QBR, and that's with uh, Frank Reich at the helm for the for uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles back three years ago in two thousand and seventeen. So and that's and that's been his best season. Now he's had, he also you know his twenty eighteen his twenty eighteen was good, not as great, but it was good. Had a better completion percentage. Granted, he played the full season, but uh, but his twenty eight or check that he didn't play the full season because he got injured in Foles, and then Foles came in down came in down the stretch. So I take that back. But he had a better completion percentage in two thousand and eighteen. Um, he started 11 games in 2018 compared to 13 in 2017 where he tore his ACL. 2019, his uh, most recent great season where he actually played the full 16 games, his completion percentage was down from 2018. It was 63.9%, but he threw for over 4,000 passing yards, if you're into that stat, and had 27 touchdowns and 7 interceptions. With a terrible offensive line and having to throw to uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and... Um, uh, and um, and um, what's his face, uh, Nelson Aguilar. So, Cart, and then and then in twenty twenty he just fell off. He just, he fell off a cliff. He had a fifty. His uh, career worst fifty seven uh, percent completion percentage. Didn't throw. Didn't uh, throw for over uh, twenty seven hundred passing yards. Sixteen touchdowns. Uh, touch. You know he hasn't thrown sixteen touchdowns since his rookie year in two thousand sixteen, and a career high. 
to this point, 15 interceptions in 2000 and in the this past 2020 season. So whether it was the fact and news that came out over the last couple of days that you know he and Doug Peterson legitimately uh, hated each other to the point where they didn't speak to each other for a good eight to ten weeks. So whether it's the fact that he didn't like Doug Peterson and that had something to do with it, whether it was the fact that uh, whether it's the fact that. Uh, that honestly everything came crashing down for the Eagles. Howie Rosen with the poor draft picks, not giving Carson Wentz a decent offensive line, uh, little to no run game to speak of. Wide receivers were trash. Wide receivers at point they got to go get uh, washed up. Deshaun Jackson to you know to see if that helps. So whatever it might be, Carson Wentz. Uh, you know if you watch if you watch the many Eagle games and I did. Uh, you know I I saw our, the uh, week one against Washington. Uh, week one against Washington, Wentz wasn't 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 uh wasn't that amazing. Um, of course the bang and then of course the Bengal game. He did have that nice scramble thinking on his. He did have that nice scramble thinking on his feet, which uh when he ran in for a touchdown that ended up tying the game up. But in overtime, he was he was very he was pathetic in that overtime in that overtime period uh against Cincinnati in September a few weeks later uh was not uh was not has uh was not that was not a great under was was abysmal against Cleveland on the road so I've seen I, not every Eagle game but I saw I saw a I saw a decent sample size of uh, of Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles over this past football season, and I was not impressed. And Carson Wentz was anything uh, but spectacular. But it, it, maybe a change of scenery is good is good for Carson. Yeah, you you sit back and you you know the the, the big mistake that Philadelphia that the Eagles made. Was and you know, and it just goes to show you know, you win one Super Bowl and you don't know how to act when they gave uh, Foles and uh, Peterson that statue uh, before the season, before the, the 2018 season started. They gave him that, they gave you, they gave Foles and Doug Peterson that Philly Philly statue right outside the stadium, which. You know, Nick Foles, who give him all the credit in the world, he had one of the more improbable, more magical playoff runs in the history of the National Football League. But he is—he's a journeyman. Not he—he he isn't the Eagles franchise quarterback. Carson Wentz. Everybody knew that at the time that Carson Wentz was going to be their franchise quarterback. They all knew that Carson Wentz played as big a part of that 2020 of that excuse me that 2017 championship as much as Nick Foles because Carson Wentz played those played those 13 games that had that. Had had uh the Eagles that game that he that he tore his ACL is when uh when they beat the Rams in Los Angeles is the game where uh, the uh, Eagles won the won the division and uh and were were primed to lock up the uh, top two seeds in the uh in the NFC uh playoffs that year but that was the, that was their first mistake you know because it's that you're saying because i from Carson Wentz's perspective just thinking in retrospect i know hindsight's 2020 but looking in retrospect it's like you know yeah you're a franchise good like you're a franchise you're a guy Carson you're the guy you're the guy you're the guy and every single day Carson Wentz rolls into Lincoln Financial Field he he sees and or hears about or looks or that statue is always in the back of his mind, knowing that he wasn't the team. He excuse me, he wasn't the guy that delivered his team their first Super Bowl championship in the history of the franchise. It was Nick Foles. So I can understand how, and that and that falls on the Eagles. You know, the the time to give 
the time to give um, Peterson and Nick Foles a statue is in 2027 or 2037, not not uh, you know not 2018, one year after you won the whole thing. You know, when you have a franchise, when you have a young, a young at the time, 25, 26 year old uh, quarterback that's supposed to be your franchise that had an unfortunate injury where if he hadn't gotten injured, uh, I don't know, you know, I have to go back and, and like look and see where the NFL, where like the state of the teams were um, right around the time that uh, Fold, or excuse me, right around the time Wentz got injured. But it was for sure that uh, Wentz was going to get the MVP in 2017, not Brady. And and the Eagles and the Eagles out again. I have to go back and look and see where the state of the teams were at the time of Wentz's injury. But you could have made the made an argument that the Eagles would have would have possibly would have won the Super Bowl anyway if Wentz hadn't gotten hurt. But um, but it's but I would from Wentz's perspective, I'd imagine it's you know the fran you you know you catch the franchise and you know talking out of both sides of the mouths and engaging in hypocrisy, saying you're a franchise guy, you're a franchise guy, yet you have to walk past or drive or drive past. I don't know where the statue is as far as the complex of Lincoln Financial Field is concerned. You know the you know park line all this on the concourse all this, but you know I would imagine he would he would have felt a certain way and and truth be told and truth be told i can't blame him i cannot blame him one bit for uh for you know what jealousy you know and jealousy envy i i don't blame him you know and that and that's and that's the part where the eagles have to take a hit is because is uh is because they should know it's just it's just not the it's not the time and the place to do it you know Uh, the banner one thing the rings one thing I get that, you know, if if Nick Foles retires or as soon as Nick Foles leaves the Eagles, you want to retire as number nine, fine, whatever. But the time, but the time, that that wasn't the time. And I should have, and I should have, and and shame on me for not, for not thinking about this sooner. It's all, you know, all of a sudden now that Wentz is gone and you found out that he and Peterson really couldn't stand each other. Now it's, you know, putting the pieces, pieces of the puzzle together and you sit back and I know hindsight again is 2020, but you realize that the Eagles made a huge mistake putting up that statue, you know, when they did, you know, the time for that statue is not, is not for, you know, when Wentz comes back off of, off of the ACL injury, you know, that's not, that's not the time, that's not the time and place for you to have a statue of your head coach who's supposed to be joined at the hip with Wentz and his replacement that ended up doing what no either no uh, eagle quarterback uh, had done prior to, up until that point and that's when that's deliver the eagles a super bowl championship you know so again the time to the unveil that statue is you know is uh in 6 years come the you know come the 10 year reunion when you you know when Ertz and when Ertz and Brandon Graham and Tory Smith and and uh, Jason Kelsey and, uh, and and Doug Peterson and Frank Reich and and Foles all come back and have a big old kumbaya at Lincoln Fi- at Lincoln Financial, you know, sometime in you know sometime in September in the middle or smack dab in the middle of the season. That's when you unveil a. That's when that's the time for you to unveil a statue. You know, look this. You know, it was a famous play. It was one go down one of the most uh, f- greatest trick plays in the history of the Super Bowl. That was the time to do it. Not then. Again, I didn't address it then. My, I should have. But looking back to in re- or looking back in retrospect. 
that's where that's where the Eagles screwed up from themselves from the very beginning is when they unveiled that statue after their Super Bowl championship in 2017. But Wentz, you know, he had a very spotty 2016 year. I think that was Peterson's first year there, if I'm not mistaken. He wasn't he wasn't that he wasn't great. Uh, 2017, he had the MVP caliber season. 2018 didn't play as much, but still a very solid uh, quarterback. 69% completion percentage, two for over three three uh, thousand yards. 21 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Very very good. 2019 is uh was just as impressive as 2017 season, based on the fact that he that his offensive line was what was a bunch of walking turnstiles. Um, and he had no, and he literally had no help, and he and he still found a way to throw for over four, four thousand passing yards, which is a career high, and nearly threw for thirty touchdowns and kept his interceptions at uh at seven, which is just absolutely remarkable on the part of uh, Curtis Wentz. And in twenty twenty, you know the wheels fell, the wheels fell off. Now, granted, it's still the same. Now, granted, it, you know again, he doesn't have wide receivers. Running games lackluster. Uh, and his offensive line is bad, but you know, but you can't make. But when it comes to us to assessing Wentz, you can't you know r- r- rave about how great of a twenty nineteen season, especially down the stretch when he helped the Eagles get into the playoff. You can't you can't go nuts about that, and then all of a sudden say, well, he had a bad twenty twenty season because look at his offensive line, his receivers, this receivers that. I was like. There was little to no roster. They, you know, they used a draft pick on Jalen Hurts for crying out loud. There, you know, the the roster changed from twenty nineteen uh, team from the two thousand and twenty team wasn't that much different as far as the as far as the uh, as far as their offensive starters are concerned. So he, if he could throw for over four four thousand passing yards in twenty nineteen and throw for twenty seven touchdowns in twenty nineteen with the, with for the most part the same group of receivers and the receivers, you know, and remember the in two thousand nineteen the Eagles they were on their practice squad as far as their wide receiving core is concerned and they didn't have to deal with injuries that much in two thousand twenty, but it's still again the same similar. Roster and he go and he goes from throwing seven interceptions to fifteen and his and his uh, inter- and his touchdown pass to drop from twenty seven to sixteen and unlike and I understand it, and I understand it, you know he got benched and didn't play the whole year but he didn't but he couldn't even muster the throw for twenty seven hundred passing yards so that so that 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 would be that would be concerning if i was an indianapolis if i was a member of the indianapolis colts or a colts fan or someone within the colts organization cuz you hope that the 2020 season that he had isn't the beginning of where Carson Wentz's career just nosedives and he and he just becomes a a straight up scrub of a quarterback what you do hope if you're a colts fan is that his, is that his relationship with Frank Reich, his old offensive coordinator in Philly, they, they reunite. They they get things back on track to the way things were in Philadelphia. They get things back on track, and Carson Wentz goes back to throw for gets back to throwing for over three hundred or excuse me three thousand passing yards. Gets his uh, completion percentage to uh, up above sixty percent, and gets back to throwing double digit touchdowns and single digit interceptions. You know, starts throwing touchdowns in the in the twenties and in the thirties, and keeps his interceptions at seven at seven or less. 
That's if that's what you do hope if you're a Colts fan. You Jonathan Taylor, one of the best running backs in all of football, you'll be all right. Your defense is absolutely is is uh is a force is a force to be reckoned with. And uh all you gotta do, all you gotta do is just hope that Wentz and Reich get back to where they were as far as the uh the chemistry between the two of them are concerned, like they like it was back in Philadelphia. That's what you hope. You're a Colts fan. Go back. Go just go and watch 2017. I don't think when I don't think Reich was the coach in 2018, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think he was. But uh, but go back if you're a Colts fan. Go back and watch Carson Wentz 2017 highlights. If you're a Colts fan, if you if you get that version of Carson Wentz, you're in pretty good shape. And 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 expect to be again right there with the Tennessee Titans as far as competing for the AFC South the division title, but you know from and then that's that's how I that's how I look at it from a, a Colts standpoint from an Eagles standpoint. Eagles wanted a King's ransom for Wentz. They obviously weren't going to get it because of how because because of two reasons. Wentz is injury prone. And he had an abysmal 2020 campaign, like I uh, previously mentioned. Uh, so they weren't going to get a King's Ransom for him. Uh, I was shocked to find out that Wentz actually wanted, that Wentz wanted out, even though uh, even though uh, his uh, arch nemesis, uh, Doug Peterson, was out the door. I mean, when Doug Peterson got fired, I was like, well, well they don't want to eat all this money in dead cap with Wentz. And uh, and they still want wants to be the franchise guy. So and he obviously you know doesn't get along real well and has issues with Doug Peterson. So they so they threw Doug Peterson out to the wolves to uh, to save uh, Carson Wentz. But it turns out that wasn't the case. I I guess, I guess Wentz wasn't sold on that Nick Sirianni Citrani whatever his name is uh, that press conference from uh, from uh, late dis- from late January where he stumbled and bumbled and and stuttered and ad libbed his way throughout his opening press conference if you remember that I believe that was the uh, Friday in between championship uh, weekend and super and Super Bowl weekend um uh, uh january 27th or 20 either january 28th or 29th i forget but i guess he wasn't impressed with that guy with that press conference look took uh took five seconds to look at it and says i gotta get the hell out of here this guy this this guy is is gonna work out too well so i guess that's what happened he requested a trade eagles wanted a king's ransom they didn't get it but Wentz gets in, gets his wish, gets out of Philadelphia, which I think Wentz needs. Uh, you know, being like I said, you know, I I wouldn't take it real well the fact that the franchise saying you're my franchise, you're our franchise quarterback, yet yet they give me no help with the draft. Uh, scrub wide receivers that are, not to mention always injury prone. Offensive line isn't that great. Can't run the football real well, so you don't provide me help as far as uh, giving me a decent set of guys around me for me to work with. And then again, it's Nick Foles, Nick Foles, Nick Foles everywhere I go. So I and I I I totally I totally uh, get why Wentz you know would need a change of scenery and need and would need to get the and would need to get out of uh, the confines of the city of, of of the city, excuse me, of Philadelphia. Um, I, again, I thought that he was going to be with the Eagles long term, especially after uh, Peterson got fired, but it wasn't the case. 
Uh, Eagles get stock up on draft picks. It, Jalen Hurts is going to be their guy. Whether or not uh, Hurts will be uh, will uh, will be the Eagles franchise quarterback to give them a decade or decade plus of solid uh, quarterback play remains to be seen. But you know, Hurts has Nate Sudfeld. You know, looks over shoulder. Uh, he's looking at Nate Sudfeld. So. So it's all on him now. He is now. I would imagine he is now the uh, Philadelphia Eagles starting quarterback from here on out. Uh, the Colts they get a they get a franchise quarterback. He's only played a couple of seasons. He's only played a one, two, three, four, five seasons. So he still would have you know unless he stays out of or excuse me stays off of IR. I would imagine he has about a dozen or so uh, seasons left in left in him. Change of scenery would would and should be good for Carson Wentz. Gets reunited with his old coach and uh, Frank Reich, and the Colts should be in pretty good shape for not just for not just the twenty twenty one season, but in seasons, uh, but in, but for football seasons uh, headed down the road. And the Eagles have to eat the debt, have to eat the uh, have to eat the uh, salary of Wentz. Which you know they didn't want to do, but it just goes to show you how Wentz really wanted no parts of the Philadelphia Eagles any further, even with uh, Doug Peterson being out of there. And I guess it was no lie after that Week 17 debacle uh, where the locker room was straight up and down fractured. And I mean, and you want to talk about a team? I mean, I mean, I mean, they won the Super Bowl, and yes, they made the playoffs in 2018 and 2019, but. My good, you know, my goodness gracious. I mean, Philadelphia. You want to talk about the the rise and fall of the Eagles? You know, it it takes them forever to win the Super Bowl. They win the Super Bowl. They make the playoffs. They win a playoff game. You know, if uh, if uh, Alshon Jeffrey catches the ball that hits him right in his mitts, they end up going to the NFC Championship game again. Uh, and then they then they make the playoffs in two thousand nineteen. And uh, and Carson Wentz with the concussion by uh, Jade, you know, given to him by Jadavion Clowney of the Seahawks, and he you know doesn't even play a quarter, and it's Josh McCown in the quarterback. But you know this is a team that is nose diving right back to where they came from, and that is the basement and the sewage of uh, and the sewage uh, banks of the national of the National Football League. Which is crazy, considering where this franchise was a short three, a short a few seasons ago, beating Brady, beating the greatest uh, head coach and quarterback combo in the history of the National Football League. You know, ending that long drought of you know, and win, and finally winning a Super Bowl uh, after all those years where Andy Reid, uh, you know, took him just took him uh, just far, but just took him just far enough for them not to uh, finally uh, reach the promised land. And all of a sudden, who they thought was their franchise quarterback is gone. Their head coach, who won them a Super Bowl, is gone. And and, and and essentially, this team is going. And essentially, that 2017 group is going to be. Uh, is, essentially, it's going to be no one left. And you're going to look at you're going to look at the rosters, and it's going to be. And there's not going to be anyone left from the 2017 team, which was again a short three seasons ago, which which is crazy. But that is where you are and where you stand as far as the uh, Carson Wentz and Indianapolis Colts trade is concerned. Take a break, get to some tennis. Gave you my thoughts on Carson Wentz. Now it's time for me to talk uh, Serena coming up right after this.
Welcome back to the Amatelica TIS podcast. Switching gears now from football to tennis. What? Yeah, tennis. Um, unless you want to hear me uh, break down, uh, I don't know, uh, break down uh, me playing Madden against the one of my old buddies. I don't know. But unless you want this podcast to be like, you know, a half hour long, I got to come up with something. And it's uh, Chris Root, as my man, uh, Chris Mano of Russo, I say, I, you got to be versatile, Jai. You got you got, you got to be versatile. As, as an aspiring sports talk show host, you have to be versatile. You can't you do it. You do the football. Do the football when you have to. But don't rely on the football. It, it's a parachute for sports talk show hosts. Okay. You do too much football. You got many a football. Don't do too much football. Show a little bit, a bit of a, 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 a versatility in the mix, okay? Do, do a little tennis, do a little golf, do a little uh, something on uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Dog, I'm not doing Crosby, Stills, and Nash, but you got to do it, John. You got to learn something. Expand your horizons, way place. So he says you got you know you got to be versatile. I am versatile. Discussed the Masters back in November and in April's past. Of course, I do the three sports that everyone loves: baseball, football, basketball. And then, of course, uh, when it cut, when it's a uh, what is uh, what I consider one of this week's uh, big stories in sports with uh, Serena Williams and the tennis. You got to address that, which I watched that tennis match at ten o'clock on Wednesday night. Uh, it didn't keep me long, that's for sure. Uh, about an hour and 15 minutes, I think that's how long it was, when Serena uh, got knocked out by uh, nemesis Naomi. Oh, I wouldn't say nemesis, but got knocked out by a young challenger, Naomi Osaka, who's the third uh, seed in this uh, tournament. Naomi beat her 6-3, 6-4 in straight sets. Uh, a highly anticipated tennis match, really, honestly, the biggest, you know, the... The I may be stretching, I may be stretching it, and maybe uh, maybe uh, you know, going a little overboard with this, but I it, from the from what I saw via social media, take it for what it's worth, that this was one of the most highly anticipated uh matchups or highly anticipated matches slash games in sports since the Super Bowl. Uh, and and Serena lost in straight sets. And if you go and look, Naomi is now three and two against uh, all against uh, Serena in her young career. In 2018, 2018, uh, they played each other in 2018 twice. Osaka won both. Uh, Osaka won both times. The second time in 2018, of course, that aforementioned uh, memorable, infamous 2018 uh, U.S. Open. Uh, women's uh, singles championship where Serena went nuts, and if you go back and call, recall one of the fir- one of the very uh, few ep- first few episodes of this podcast, I went on here and uh, screamed and yelled about that. They played each other in 2019. Uh, Serena got the best of Naomi on that one, and then when they played each other in 2021, I can go back and get you that for you right qu- right quick, just to make sure. Just to be accurate here, when they played each other, when they played each other, it has to be in 2020, because looking on the thing, they must have got that wrong, SB Nation must have got that wrong, Uh, when they played each other in 20, it must not be on the sheet, but according to SB Nation, they've played each other twice in 2021, Serena won the first time. 
and now and Naomi got her of course on Wednesday. Uh, as far as twenty twenty one for Serena is concerned, um, she got knocked out once again in straight sets. And you know, tennis experts, which is not me, that's the Chris Russo's of the world, the Patrick McEnroe's, the John McEnroe's, the you know those 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 guys. Um, they thought that this is that this is from this is what they that's this is what they have said, and I'll take their word for it because they pay attention to ten uh, to tennis on a day and day basis more than I do. But uh, but they told me, but from what I heard is that Serena was playing absolutely phenomenal throughout this tournament. You know, they she took care she took care of business in the first and second round. Serena beating her opponents in straight sets each. Uh, got worked a little bit, a little bit, had to go three sets in the third and fourth rounds, beat Halep 6-3, uh, twice, the back-to-back straight sets, beat Simona Halep in the, in the quarterfinals, and, and from what I got was that Serena, you know, she looked, she, the energy was, the energy was there, she was into it, you know, it was more, it was like a reset button, you know, you know, dealing with the pandemic and not playing for such a long time and just le- learning how to appreciate and, 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 um, and seize and just, and, and, you know, uh, and, and quote unquote, smell the roses per se, and just enjoy being there. And it, and it showed out throughout her play. And then on, and then on Wednesday night, I mean, Serena, had a 2-0 lead in the first set, um, was absolutely dealing, dealing, and had to, and had Osaka off her game. You know, duff, uh, faults, double faults. So Osaka hitting the ball into the net. I mean, she was just. I know they said it was nerves over the broadcast. I don't know if it was nerves or it was just the fact that you know she just wasn't she wasn't ready yet, and Serena was just firing all centers. I don't know what it was. But Osaka came back down from 2-0 in the first set and came on and came back and of course took care of business one six three six four uh when it being Serena in straight sets back to back. But it's it's crazy, you know, because Serena looked like that this was gonna be her match to win. Okay, her serve her serve was on point, had a you know, was and did and she does what she's been what she's been doing for the better part of 25 years now she's been on the pro circuit and that's overpowering her opponent being 35 years of age or excuse me 39 years of age it looks like that that might that that um, you know unless she catches a break you know light lightning she catches lightning in a bottle or changes the way she plays which I don't expect her to it looks like that the that they that these young uh, tennis players like Osaka that she's run that she's ran into on a more recent basis that they know how to beat her and it's and it's based on pure athleticism and just the fact that they're younger, which if which if you go back and look at Serena's early part of his career of her career she was doing that with with the old, with the thirty with the thirty seven thirty eight thirty nine year olds back when back when she was playing back you know over twenty years ago. So you so you kind of so you understand so you understand you kind of get you know it's 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 a it's a you know it's a cir- it's it's a circle of quote unquote a sports career sports life you know you when you come in new kid on the block you're dominating everyone you can do no wrong your athleticism is flying off the ch- charts you're running back and forth across the court your forehand your backhand's working your serve is impeccable your serve can't do no wrong then all of a sudden then all of a sudden once you get past you know thirty five and Serena of course having a kid and everything else you know eventually you're not you're 
what your physicality and your athleticism is on what you were at 20 at 29 19 years of age heading in here at 39 so and i just you know and from what i heard she was absolutely wheeling and dealing throughout this entire tournament and was fantastic taking the first two sets of the, of the match and then and then the third and then the third set came along and she just and she flat out hit the wall and 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 you could just see that all the momentum Osaka got herself together she calmed down she relaxed started playing her game playing the way playing the way she knows how to win tennis matches and the momentum totally shifted from Serena to Naomi Osaka and before you know it Serena is out of there in 70 in 75 minutes goodbye good night and see you tomorrow so I mean, and then, and then she, you know, she, you know, puts her hand on her heart and waves goodbye to the crowd. I think that was more or less of the fact that, you know, it was the first time, you know, being at the Australian Open and having fans in the stands. So I, I wouldn't read too much into that myself. And she got emotional and started breaking down, crying at the end of her press conference and ended that short. So, you know, so maybe, maybe she realizes that the writing is on the wall and that she doesn't have too many opportunities left. Maybe she realizes that he, that may, that uh, that there might not be a uh, she might not compete in the twenty twenty she might not compete in another uh, Australian Open again for the rest of her career. Maybe she realizes that retirement is is knocking on the doorstep. U.S. Open is her last is her last uh, is her last Grand Slam tournament before she says goodnight. Or maybe or maybe it's just the fact that hey, uh, you know my time I'm thirty nine years of age. You know, I'm not getting I'm not getting any younger. There's going to be a lot more younger and more athletic and just different and just, you know, you're going to you're going to have that. You're going to have, you know, put it in football terms, you, you know, the Joe Burrows, the Herberts, the 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 Tua's, the um, the uh, the Deshaun Watson's, the soon to be uh, t Trevor Lawrence's. Those guys are those are, those are the new kids on the block. And they are going to be able to do things and be able to play the quarterback position in the NFL the way the way that the older guys, the Ben Roethlisberger's, the now retired Philip Rivers, the soon to be retired Drew Brees, the, you know they they can't play the way Herbert and uh, the way Herbert and Burrow play the game now as as young bucks as rookies. That those guys are you know knocking on if not in Breeze's case past forty years of age been in the league for over fifteen plus years their time their time has passed and maybe and maybe Serena maybe the reason why she broke down again I'm not sure I'm reading off of body language and trying to put the pieces together but it looks like to me either Serena sees that the writing is on the wall and that she is and that she realizes that more of her tennis career is behind her than ahead of her or she realizes that she's going to go as long as she possibly can, but she, but you know, maybe those were just tears of frustration. Maybe those were tears of frustration that you know thought, man, I was really rolling and going and really playing well throughout this tournament. And for me to have a two zero lead and then and then blow it like that and losing straights and lo losing straight sets like that, you know, to an opponent, the, to a young opponent that looks up to me and that you know, and grew up watching me play play on TV, maybe you know. Maybe it was a sharp piece of humble pie for her. Maybe that's why she broke down.
It just, you know, tears out of just frustration. Maybe she, maybe she, maybe she knows, you know, a la Brady, she's going to, now I doubt it, but, you know, has that Brady mindset where, you know, I'm going to play till 45 years of age or whatever. Maybe, maybe it was that, it was just tears of frustration. Like, damn, man, I thought that was my opportunity. Or she sees the writing on the wall and realizes that she, is that the opportunities for her to catch Margaret Court at 24 Grand Slam titles is hanging in the balance and she doesn't have that much time left if she wants to if she wants to accomplish that feat. Either or. That's how I looked at it. But had a two oh lead and flushed it down the toilet. And, and you know, opportunity it's uh that, that that window for Serena, it's getting the the uh it's that window is nearing its way shut and I'm a Serena fan and big fan of what she's done in tennis not just for tennis but outside of sport of tennis and I nothing would make me happier than to see this than to see her get that 24th major but that uh oppor- that window of opportunity is getting slimmer and slimmer and slimmer by the grand slams she's continued to lose she has not won a grand slam since that two thousand, since that Australian Open where she was pregnant with her daughter, her daughter I think is two going on three if I'm not mistaken. So it's it's been a little while. I understand the pandemic and everything else, but her window of opportunity is getting slimmer and slimmer by the by the tournament and by the year. Congrats to Naomi Osaka beating Jennifer Brady in straight sets earlier on Saturday morning. To win the 2021 Australian Open's women's singles title. She is now 4-0 in Grand Slams. uh, Undefeated up until this point. Congrats to her. Shout out to her. Give you my thoughts on the NBA All-Star Game. Which I think is just... uh, Which I think is just an absolute uh, money grab. You know, more than anything else. But I'll give you my in-depth thoughts on that. Coming up right after this. Welcome back to the I'm Tell Like a T.I.S. podcast. 2021 NBA All-Star Game is going to take place. Um, I know why, but I don't know why at the same time. Um, going to take place March 7th, uh, 2021. And I know I'm late to the party with this because there was a huge uh, hubbubaloo with uh, the NBA players' constituency, uh, you know, during the back end of the NFL playoffs and during the Super Bowl, so I didn't have time to address it then. And then, of course, Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz and and Tatis and and then Marty Schottenheimer passed away. So I haven't had a chance to address it, but I will here in this last segment for a few minutes. 
Um, I I know why the NBA is having an All Star game because of the money, because if they don't have that All Star game, they gotta they gotta write a check to uh, TNT, which is why they move the game from Indianapolis. It has nothing to do with the fact that they're having March Man. The NBA All Star game doesn't. The NBA All Star game is March seventh. And the first weekend of the NCAA tournament doesn't take place until uh, if the first weekend of the NCAA tournament doesn't take place until um, until March uh, until the until um, the weekend of March thirteenth and fourteenth, if I have that correctly. So the idea that it's you know that it, you know, well we had to move from Indianapolis because of the NCAA tournament is nonsense. The reason why that game is being played in the city of Atlanta is because TNT is doing the game, and rather and rather than have uh, the inside the NBA crew along with. Uh, the uh, behind-the-scenes people of uh, Turner Sports and Kevin Harlan and Reggie Miller and and uh, Chris Weber and um, and uh, Marv Albert, you know, fly essentially separate planes and be quarantined in a hotel room for two weeks, you know, tested on the spot of every second of every day. They're better off. They're better off just having a game in Atlanta. Where they don't have to get on a plane, go through airports, go through TSA, and deal with anything of that. So rather than Shaq, rather than uh, Ernie and the fellas going to the TNT studios, they just go. They just head to State Farm Arena, stay distance, and wear a mask when they're not on camera and everything else. Same thing. I don't know if they're going to have people there on location or not, but if they are, it's just simple. So they have everyone there in one location because TNT, the the Turner, the uh, Turner Media, the the Warner Media uh, slash Turner uh, Media Studios are uh, down in Atlanta, Georgia. Cartoon Network, TNT, TBS, CNN, they're all down there. The NBA TV, they're all down in Atlanta, Georgia. So rather than have it, and it's funny because Shaq brought that up to Kenny. They got into a little, uh, they, you know, they got into a, a, uh, a, uh, a disagreement and, and Barkley with happy birthday to Chuck, by the way, I believe he turns 58. Uh, today here on Saturday, February twentieth, and they were and Chuck was telling Kenny the Jet that in the reason why they have the game in Atlanta is because it's easier for Turner Sports to do the game because rather than them just going to the studios, they just go to the State Farm Arena and not have to worry about getting on planes and having to quarantine in separate hotels. You know, there's a lot of risk you take when you travel. There's a lot of risk you take, and the more susceptible you are to to catching COVID, if you if you change cities rather than just being in in the one city in the same central location without them having to take you know two weeks off of time for you know getting the covid t- doing rapid covid testing and quarantining all that sort of stuff is concerned but i know why the nba is doing it because of money because they don't want to give the check back to tnt um but they shouldn't have it um they shouldn't have it you know the play you know lebron especially you know, one of the most shortest off seasons in re- in recent memory, especially LeBron, especially for guys like LeBron and 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 uh, and players that were and the guys that were on the Miami Heat. Matter of fact, let me 
give you. Uh, so for guys like um, LeBron James, the reserves will be announced on Monday. But just you know, for LeBron James, you know, because out of the starters, he's the one that's that's had the shortest off season out of all of the starters that have been announced. No, it's not fair to him. You know, he busts behind to compete and win a championship. He wins a championship mid October. Gets all of he gets one whole month off, and that's the and that's the month of November. Gets the back end of October and gets the uh, front end and gets about two thirds of December, and then he has to go right back out there and compete in a, in a new uh, NBA seat in a new NBA regular season. So I totally understand his frustration. He went and he uh, went alongside. It. I'm pretty sure you've heard it already, but how LeBron is not a fan of it, and I don't blame him. And all the NBA players have every single right to get on their soapbox and yell and scream about why the, why this is a joke and why they don't need nor are, are not in favor of an NBA All-Star because they don't need it. The game is a dud. I don't care that they got that weird, funky scoring system I can't get into. The game's not good. They play no, they play no defense. I mean, it's, uh, it's right there with the NFL. It's one of the worst All-Star games the worst all-star games of all the of all the major of all the major sports. The only thing you're into, the only thing you're into is the three-point and the slam dunk, and they and they screw up and they screw and they can't even do and they can't even do that properly. The three-point, all right, fine, but the slam dunk, no big names, the, the the big the big name guys rarely compete in it anymore. It's it's the it's the new it's the new guys the you know the new guys the rook the uh the one and done rookies and the guys coming out of the G League that happened to uh you know they happened to catch the league's attention by a couple of dunks and they participate in the slam dunk contest and then and then when they have the dunk contest you know a la Dwayne Wade with that uh, with that asinine uh 9 rating uh, in last in last year's contest they don't they they, they you know the guy that wins the dunk contest doesn't deserve the win and and the guy that deserves the win ends up getting screwed by the judges. So that so they can't even do the slam dunk contest properly. And rather and rather than the dunk contest this year being the night the Saturday night before the All Star game, they have the skills challenge and the three point the Saturday night before. And then they have uh and then they have uh and then they, but this year they're gonna have the dunk contest during halftime, which is which is a which is a little which is a little odd. So and then not to mention, you know, the NBA that made sure that they were front and center and essentially made major headlines and got pats on the back and was praised as all get up. What a job with the bubble! What an idea with the bubble! Oh my god! You know they were getting they were getting raved about from every big t- from every media company from everybody. I mean it was just loving. Oh look at the NBA! The NBA! Oh my goodness! The bubble! What a fantastic job! And then and then it's and then it's like you know they it's like they've became they went from in Innovator to now it's like they don't know what they're doing. They got COVID cases popping up all over the place. Games getting postponed and canceled left and right. You know they had Kevin Durant. They had again a la Justin Turner in the uh, in games. Six of the world's in game. I think it was game six of the World Series. You know they have an inconclusive COVID test, but for whatever the reason, he's allowed to start. And then when they finally get word that the COVID test was positive, on now night you gotta pull him. You gotta pull him. You gotta pull him out. And the, you gotta pull him out. But the game. But the game is able to. Uh, but the game is still able to be played with all the players. You know that's been around him and been in close contact with the uh, with said infected player. And then to have an NBA. 
All-Star Game. There's going to be many a parties. There's going to be many a parties. Look it up. They, you know, people, you know, there's going to be many of uh, NBA All-Star Weekend block parties down in Atlanta, Georgia. You know, regardless, I don't care how many times the Atlanta mayor has to say, look, don't come down here. Don't come, you know, little to no people come to this game. Don't party. Don't People are going to do whatever they want to do. And it's all because the NBA decided, well, if they're having an all-star game, we're going to sit up here and party it up and, and, dan- and dance and drink the night away till 3 o'clock in the morning. So, so and it's just going to be a major mess. People, there's going to be infections and, and, and people getting sick, popping up all over the place. If you know any of these NBA players, they can't sit still in a, in a hotel room for 72 hours. They must. They got to get up and do something. Go to the club. Go to the strip. Go to the club. Go to the strip club. Go to a restaurant. Go out on a date. You know, fornicate with a, with a few girls in a hotel room. They can't. They can't just sit still and just and not do anything. Unless it's showing up to the arena and playing basketball, for the most part, a lot of these guys they got that I can't help it. So, it's, so it's just going to be a complete mess, and the players want no parts of it. If LeBron, who's the poster boy of the sport, and essentially, even though he isn't the players' union president, the players' union uh, players' representative president, Chris Paul is, but LeBron, but LeBron James, you know, he, you know, he he speaks for the players for the most part. He, you know, if he says he doesn't like it, he can't and he can't stand it. That's all you need to know. Post boy, the league, and he's the and he's the face, quote unquote, of the NBA Players Association. So it's just you know the players, and he's not the only, and he's not the only one. Players want no parts of it whatsoever. You know what's what's the point? You know, not to mention, not to mention, the NBA also looks bad because rather than them say, rather than them saying you know rather than them saying prior to the season well well we'll leave we'll leave the uh, idea of us having an all-star game up in the up in the air yet to be decided yet to be determined there wasn't supposed to be a they wasn't supposed to be an all-time all-star game this year it was supposed to be an all-star break you know a couple of day periods where these guys don't play basketball they have you know they have like a four to five day break but they wasn't supposed to be an all-star game or an all-star weekend and then when the NBA, you know, I guess looked at looked at their uh, bottom line and look and uh, opened up uh, their portfolio, they realized that if we don't have an All Star game, we owe T TNT X amount of dollars, and God forbid we, you know, God forbid we cough up a couple uh, a couple million, if not a couple, I think it's a couple million dollars to uh, to TNT, you know, just for one season. You have to, you don't have to have that stupid all-star game god forbid we do that no screw it we all gotta you know i don't we'll we'll fly we'll fly each and every player individually on private jets to get to get them to to make sure that that they that they play in this game so it's just it's just a complete mess i understand why they're doing it they need the money you know and they don't want to give the money back to tnt god forbid but it's just, it's just, it's, it's, not only is it a bad look, it's just, it's just totally unnecessary, you know. And then God forbid, you know, we find out a week and a half, two weeks later, that, you know, that uh, 75% of the players that are on the two rosters, not to mention maybe a re- two referees and two referees and, uh, you know, and, a, and a members of, a, of somebody's training staff ends up getting sick and it essentially puts the NBA on pause for two weeks. And the God, because uh, they're not careful, that could, that could happen at the drop of a hat. And that's the last thing the NBA needs and wants, especially as we're, as we're creeping closer and closer to March and into March Madness, where if there's any time of the month 
where the NBA outside outside of uh, outside of uh, this outside of December and January with football. There, if there if there's a if there's another if there's a third month where the NBA takes a back seat to another sport, it's it's uh, it's the month of March where the where March Madness and uh, the NCAA tournament that that form of uh, competitive basketball becomes primary in every, in every sports fans uh, minds and the NBA moves to the back seat and that's the last thing the NBA needs while the NBA while the uh, you know when we're about to tip off March Madness the NBA has to take a has to take a two week hiatus because about 95% of their NBA that's players coaches and etc you know media personnel that that uh, showed up to Atlanta at State Farm Arena is sick with covid is is uh, downtrodden and sick with covid that's the last thing that want, they want and that's the last thing they need the players, the players don't like it. The players are against it, and me personally, I can do without the NBA All Star Game. I don't want. I don't. The only time I remember actually watching the NBA All Star Game, uh, from start to finish for the most part, I think was the two thousand. I think it was either the nineteen All Star Game or the eighteen. Whatever was the All Star Game that took place in L.A. where Fergie butchered the national anthem. Me and my family literally wasted three hours of our lives sitting down and watching that debacle. But and no one, no one gives a crap about the NBA All Star Game, and no one can tell you about NBA All NBA All Star Game MVP awards, you know, because we got to see uh, LeBron or uh, Anth- LeBron or uh, Jimmy or LeBron or Luca or anybody else or Giannis or Kyrie Irving or Durant win MVP, Steph Curry, Kawhi Leonard, Joe. You know, they are complete, complete waste of time, complete waste of time. And the, slam, and the slam dunk is interesting, but it's happening during halftime of the game. They don't get any big, they don't get any A list superstars to compete in anymore, and they and they screw it up because they don't because they got judges that because they got judges that can't you know that couldn't grade a uh, they couldn't grade a uh, kindergarten pop quiz, and they and they and they award the slam dunk champion to the wrong guy, a la last year with Dwayne Wade with the infamous uh, nine score. So it's just, it's 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 a waste of time, and and again they're having it because t- because the NBA doesn't want to have to write back doesn't want to have to write back a check the TNT and the only reason why that game is taking place in Atlanta is because they don't want because because they don't want a bunch of t- a bunch of Turner Sports and members of the NBA on TNT crew having to fly having to fly back and forth from Indianapolis to it from to and from back and forth to Indianapolis and Atlanta and have to worry about someone running into the wrong person or touching the wrong thing and coming in contact with the wrong thing and people getting sick to the point where they have to, you know, come, you know, especially especially when they're about to have the NCAA tournament and and because and since 2011, the NCAA tournament is a joint is a joint uh, broadcast production between CBS Sports and Turner Sports. And the last thing they need is is uh is Ernie is Ernie Shack and Kenny and uh and uh, one of their producers there getting sick because of COVID because they went to the NBA All Star game up in Indianapolis when they go, when they're going to need him when they're going to need them a week and a half later come NCAA tournament time. Not to mention, I don't think. Not to mention, I don't think Turner would like to pay for essentially a whole month's work a whole month's work of. Uh, 
of uh, hotel fees and traveling fees because if they're going to go up there to Indianapolis for the All-Star game, they might as well stay there the entire month of March because the NCAA tournament is going to be like the NBA was back in the summer and fall. It's going to have a, they're going to have a, essentially a little bubble in Indianapolis. And I, so I'm pretty sure TNT doesn't want to have to pay for, you know, uh, uh, Charles Barkley's uh, 11, uh, 11.30 uh, gin and tonic for every uh, Saturday night. But I just, I, I won't I, I won't be into it myself, to be quite honest with you. They shouldn't have an NBA All-Star game, but they are because the NBA wants the money. And I and I and again I do not blame not one NBA player getting on their soapbox and getting on their platform, voicing their opinion, saying how they saying how they don't uh, like the fact that there's going to be an All Star game. Because quite frankly, I don't blame them, especially LeBron who had the shortest off season out of all of them. And of course, you know he made it of course as a starter. But you think LeBron wants to sit up here and hop on a plane? Matter of fact, let me go see where uh, where the Lakers play. The Lakers' uh, last game of the uh, of the first half. And you think you think LeBron? I understand. I understand LeBron's fly, uh, flying private, and he can afford it, and everything. It's not about the fact of just being a that he can afford it. It's just you know, does LeBron feel like doing it? Which I don't. Which I don't. Uh, which I. Which obviously he doesn't feel like doing. Um. March the third is where is this furthest as the NBA schedule get? So and that's at Sacramento. You think and you think I understand the private jet, but you think LeBron, you know, after he's essentially busted his ass since uh, since mid mid late July, with uh, with about a month and a half, two months of a break. You think LeBron wants to hop on a plane? Hop on? I understand private, but do you think LeBron wants to hop on a plane from Sacramento and fly cross country down to Atlanta to compete in some dopey All Star game that nobody in America gives a crap about? The answer, obviously, because it's because it's because it came from the horse's mouth. The answer is obviously a big fat no. So that's where I stand as far as the NBA All Star Game is concerned. But I uh, had to get that out there and off my chest. Haven't had time to address it, and I uh, finally got around to it. And there's my thoughts on it. But um, but that's your show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening. If you're new to the program and you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe. Follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. Follow the show on Instagram at Amatella underscore podcast and the show on Twitter at Amatel at Amatella underscore at Amatel underscore it is. It's your boy Josh Shield. Stay safe and healthy, ladies and gentlemen. Talk to you Wednesday. See ya.